0: It's not warm when she's away Ain't no sunshine when she's gone And she's all
1: Good evening, Alex Aragon. How are you tonight?
2: Hey, we're back. We're back. Hi, the
1: renewable energy returns. Um, yeah, I'm afraid I'm afraid we have multiple uh uh audio issues. Uh one is Alex is on a phone out there in Oregon and uh and a little muffled and i am still lisping one of the reasons we took uh six months off was i was having some oral surgery and getting some teeth implants and at least two up front uh are not there so i'm still lisping a little bit they uh had a goof up with shipping and had to put it off so it's not happening until next week but i decided i'll limp along with my lisp anyhow i hope people can understand
2: all oh, you want it for Christmas is your two
1: front teeth? Yeah, that's it. That's it. I'll take it for Fourth of July, you know. <laughs> you don't
2: want to leave that long, okay?
1: Especially since I'm going home to my hometown with a family reunion. I don't want to be uh, looking all gap toothed. So. Oh. All my old friends. But, anyhow, it's fun to be back. Um, and uh, I'm sure uh, Alicia, having wonderfully filled in all this time, is glad to have. Uh, that time for you to be doing other important things. She does such a great job. So, uh, So uh, what we wanted to talk about today is, you know, interesting, fun, new stuff and gadgets and gizmos related to the renewable energy world that, you know, have happened in the past six months that we're excited about, or at least we've become aware of in the last six months. So we'll chat about a few of our favorites, but we also haven't had a call-in show for more than six months um and uh so we were going to open up the lines fairly early particularly if uh, people had things that that they'd read about that they're excited about um uh in the renewable energy world but so i i think my most exciting thing is the imminent release granted it's almost a year away of the the ford f-150 lightning and we've had many shows on renewable energy on on um, uh, specifically electric vehicles. And a real common request around here, surprise, surprise, is when are they going to have a decent, you know, pickup truck? And, Alex, there, yeah, are, just, yep. there, there are a number sure. of pickup trucks already out, aren't there? I, I don't know of
2: uh, electric vehicle trucks that I'm interested in yet. So uh, I own an F-150 truck, a so
1: Ford F-150, and so that's really one I'm keeping an eye on right now. Yeah, well, it's it seems... <laughs> you know, to have great specs and is quite a bit cheaper than than the potential competition. Um there are you know, I know there are a couple out there that are, you know, one hundred and thirty thousand dollars for the base model. Um and yeah. and this guy starts uh at what, around forty two grand and of course there's still a federal tax credit and I think a state tax credit for E V purchase.
2: Um, yeah, with that kind of additional incentive, it would bring it down uh, quite a bit cheaper than the gas mo- uh, model of my truck, actually. So it'd be really interesting to see how it's going to pan out.
1: And it's cheaper to operate by far, um, both in fuel and in maintenance. Until you have to replace that battery.
0: What's that?
1: Until you have to pl- replace the battery. So,
3: yeah.
1: I wonder what their warranty is. We were talking about... Uh, Uh, The thing, something you were interested in was uh, Tesla, used Teslas on the market. You want to talk about that?
2: Yeah, it's been uh, coming across a lot of people lately that have been buying uh, Teslas. Tesla. like, wow, I'm surprised they they got one, but uh, it's been, they've been buying used Teslas. uh, Typically the Tesla S, Uh, it has been on the market for eight, nine years now. And uh, so there's been a lot of used ones available. Uh, They originally came with uh, an eight-year warranty on them. And so if you're getting one of the newer, one of the original Tesla S's, you, know, you might be getting a car that you could buy for as low as $30,000, $30, $30, $35,000, something in that range. Do you know what's, so the, right.
1: what's the price of a new one?
2: Uh, you know, the new one? Well, there are often uh, leases uh, where you put down a you know, sizable down payment, like four or $5,000. I'm not sure what the exact amount of the down payment was. And you could pay $1,000 a month for uh, the lease. I don't know what they're uh, selling for outright, except I've heard, I've heard it was you know, in the neighborhood of 100000
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's what uh, I was remembering.
2: Yeah. So, you know, three years at least, the $1,000 a month plus the original down payment. You know, that's quite a chunk of money, but being able to come and buy a used car now for you know $35,000, it's all electric. You know, a nice Tesla. It's even got the auto drive features. so that's pretty attractive. But uh, if you are coming upon the end of the life of the battery, yeah, you know, it costs you a thousand numbers to say as much as thirteen, fourteen thousand uh, dollars to replace that battery. Now, it's not guaranteed your battery's going to be bad after eight years and something like that, but it's certainly something to keep in mind when you're when you're making your
1: investment. You might as well think, uh, think in terms of you know a forty-five thousand-dollar purchase. If it's if it's eight years old, be prepared for that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and I'm really curious to see how the. Uh, how the driving miles compares to the life of the battery. Uh, uh really curious if people have an experience with that on their own just uh, Tesla, anybody's got Tesla's had to Tesla? uh, replace the battery on or anything
1: like that. I'm uh, really curious to hear some some local info on that. Yeah, how oh, many oh. how many how many miles per battery bank? That's a great question to actually know. Yeah. You well know,
2: they typically list uh, battery life and uh the number of cycles, I meaning you know, how many times you uh, turn and uh, discharge the battery. Uh, if you go to you know, full depth of discharge of batteries and you know eighty percent of the battery capacity, and then recharging it, you, know, you, you might get like five thousand cycles out of a particular battery. Whereas if you're only cycling it's you know thirty percent down, you get significantly more. So some of the life spans you know, kind of depend on how deeply you cycle, you know, it's how far you drive, or you know, how hard you drive. Really looking to find out the feedback on how people are doing with these batteries. Uh, the electric vehicles have very little maintenance, but when those it it come up with the maintenance new, no, it's going to be a whole battery replacement. That's that's a sizable chunk, you know? Mm-hmm. $13,000, 14000 for a new battery, but hey, that might be the one thing you got to take care of, so it might not be that bad.
1: Well, of course, if you have it as much as they were worrying about when they put the eight-year warranty on it... Um you may have a lot more life in, in that old battery pack.
2: Yeah. another thing, though, too, is, uh, the different temperatures, know, uh, the, the lithium batteries are supposed to be not supposed to be very good for below freezing temperatures. So, you know, there's a Tesla that's operated down around the San Francisco Bay area where the temperature doesn't get particularly cold. How's that going to compare to one that was like up in Truckee or, you know,
1: somewhere where it does get cold or something like that. I'm really curious to see that feedback. Yeah, that would be good to know. I'll, uh, I wonder if that actually uh, reduces the miles per battery lifespan or just reduces your efficiency on the day they're cold.
2: Yeah, but what I understand of the charging characteristics of the battery, when, when they do get really cold, that's when they can get stressed okay. you damaged. Know, so okay. if in a really cold environment, uh, stand standard reasons by the specs that I've read about all these looking batteries, so it might not do so well as they're supposed to yeah but, uh you know, I'm an experienced
1: all, you yeah, right well, and and we're in a particularly benign climate as far as freezing is concerned,
2: yeah, we don't usually have to worry too much about it, but there are, there are extreme times extreme circumstances, and you know with all the different uh programming that the uh, batteries have they're always is uh, keeping them warm internally when it starts getting cold, so I'm sure that's part of the design too and uh. You know, this there's, is, there's all, <laughs> there's so many different things that you could do with a uh, car that is completely, you know, digitally programmed and just powered along the way. Um, but, you know, this is all stuff we're going to see coming out in the lifespan of these cars. Uh, the electric vehicle market is still fairly new. I mean, gosh, years ago, there was nothing, you know, almost as mm-hmm. a. What, the Chevy EV, uh, EV1 that came out for a while and was on the market for a little bit and then smashed up and, and I had uh, the there
1: was documentary, a Ra- documentary. There was a RAV4.
2: What's that?
1: There was a RAV4 too.
2: I had a RAV4. Well, the RAV4s were what people were able to get after the EV1 was pulled off because they were able to get them from sleep cars and stuff like that that went for sale. So it was a while when there were just the few people that had the RAV4 electrics available. You know, it these, Oh, yeah, it'd be great to get a hold one. And someone would find one and ship it in from another state. And there'd be these things because, you know, if it came from more than, you know, more than 200 miles away, you could drive it all the way back on one charge, and there weren't very many charging stations anywhere. So it's kind of exhausting to be able to get them. But now we've got all this infrastructure it has been setting up to add more and more charging stations. So
1: we got a lot. We've got a long ways to go, though. That's still a, an area of concern. Having, to, having to map out your, your charging stations for a trip. Uh, and
2: of course, that's part of why the. Uh, the you know, the electric vehicle market include all vehicles that run on you know, some sort of electricity. There's hybrids are part of that. Uh, so far, hybrids are still outselling EVs. Uh, you know, but the battery-only vehicles, uh, ones that actually use gas and have an engine, and also can drive off the battery. Um, that's still a little bit bigger market, just because you know, it's easier for infrastructure. You don't need to have charging stations everywhere. But you know, by the way, that. Uh, California rules are setting up, and other rules are setting up. Or auto manufacturers are trying to switch over to electric. But we're going to see more and more change of that. Um, if we ever do get a uh, infrastructure bill from uh, you know, Congress that's set up well, we're going to get charging stations being part of part of that setup. Of course, with the whole water, uh, there there's so many issues involved with some energy. One oh. you know, of the big worries we have is uh, what happens uh, with the power outages and such when everybody's relying on electric vehicles. Uh, uh, you know, imagine you have like a two or three day power outage or something like that, and all of a sudden the power comes back on. Uh, everybody is going to be wanting to charge their electric oh vehicles. God, the overload
1: the system, like air conditioning all turning back on at the same time. Um, although yeah. they, they do tend to ramp up after outages like that in steps, so that so that the power balancers can have a little time to
2: to go. Yeah, out so I'm wondering will there be some sort of priority on uh, which vehicles are allowed to recharge first? You know, there's so many questions out there yeah. about this. So, you know, whole new world, it's a whole new market and whole
1: new you know way of driving. Well, uh, it's Speaking of power outage, uh, the the F one hundred and fifty. I mean, it looks like it's got a pretty massive inverter built into it, and you can feed one twenty or two forty to your house.
2: Yeah, isn't that great? The vehicle itself actually becomes a generator that you could plug your house into. But uh, <laughs> what I what I heard, I'm not sure if it's true or not. But I heard that was largely that was partially inspired and certainly encouraged because of the big power outages in Texas. Uh, you know, those people had. If, you know, people have no power coming from their, uh, utility and you have a watch vehicle Well, you drive, you, you got to like figure out if you're going to, if you're going to drive out your battery, but that's, that's one of the supports for having the hybrids for you
1: to actually have a gas powered vehicle too. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, uh, we got, we've got people calling in. You want to see if they've got something to add to this particular thread? I'm guessing that's what sure. they're calling about. All right.
2: Yeah. Let me Let's make... talk to those folks a
1: while. <laughs> Hello, Collar. You're on the air.
3: Uh, thank you so much. I, I'm uh, honored to be uh, the first to congratulate both of you for coming, uh, for being here. For I,
1: returning just, after our vacation of too much work. Oh,
3: my work. gosh. Let, let the sun shine in. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, and of course, th- this is David from Willett, so you don't need to pop me up. I, I always take care of that myself. And uh, beyond electric vehicles, how about electric helicopter vertical takeoff airplanes that can go 120 miles with five people on board I, I want to put in my order but I don't think I can afford it
1: oh, do, you, do they actually exist
3: yeah they're, they're, uh, there's been thousands of hours invested into it and they're going to open a market uh, for uh, taxi short-term taxiing it's I mean to imagine that you can jump jump in an electric battery powered vehicle, helicopter and take you know vertical takeoff and landing and dart across you know the Bay Area or whatever and then land is I just it's phenomenal that's amazing. It reminds me of uh, the one of the early seer events where the uh, solar powered airplane showed up that, that was really kind of neat anyway hey uh, well uh, I hope you've checked in your hall passes and we'll expect a full report in the morning regarding your absence
1: <laughs> no, I was just playing hooky.
3: <laughs> thanks again. Bye-bye.
1: Hey, thanks, David. Bye-bye. No, so for, for other folks out here, don't have our phone number memorized. If you want to join in with things that have excited you in the renewable energy world in the past six months, it's 895-2448. Where were we, Alex? Well,
2: yeah, so the, uh, the hybrid is version of the F-150 to have the gas-powered engine uh, as well as, you know, batteries. And so you'd be able to start up your vehicle as a, uh, uh, as a generator. I hadn't realized uh, they
1: had a hybrid one.
2: Yeah, that's, that's up of the plans. I haven't seen any plans for it specifically, but I didn't hear it uh, talked about. And actually, uh, there's a really good introduction uh, to the Ford F-150 Lightning uh, on the Rachel Maddow show back uh, on uh, May 18th. Uh, if you know, wanted to look it up on YouTube, you look up the 18th uh, 2021 2021, uh, the first half of the show, just about talking about the F-150, she's talking about how uh, the F-150 truck by Ford has been the biggest selling, like anything, <laughs> in, in, the, in, in the world, pretty much. I mean, it's like a trillion dollar market, just about, just for that one vehicle itself.
1: It's, not the right, electric, though. The, the...
2: Not the, the, yeah, just the Ford F-150 itself. And for you really made some innovations lately. Like one of the things I've got a I've got a twenty nineteen F one fifty. One of the things I didn't realize until after I bought it is that they changed I and mean, the whole vehicle is made of aluminum now instead of steel. I made the whole thing lighter. Mm-hmm. Uh super lighter. Like you know, I'm not sure what the pounds are, but you know, not they're not the you know, over a thousand pounds off the weight of the truck, I think. Uh, and they made it so much more fuel efficient, in uh, the process. Um, but by making it, you know, it changes too. You, know, you get better fuel efficiency, better, you know, less electricity to go distances, all that kind of stuff. But also by having other innovations like the hybrid version where you could, you know, have a generator that you can put your house into. Like, this is so attractive for so many reasons. Um, well,
1: I, wonder, so if, I wonder if the hybrid has the inverter output like the EV, the Lightning does.
2: Yeah, that's what they're talking about doing. has, like a. Yeah, you know, we're talking about it being the output like if you would for most generators. So, you know, I'm imagining like a 30 amp, you know, 120-240 mm-hmm. outlet. But of mm-hmm. course, you know, it's for sure. I mean, that's just what would really make sense, not necessarily yeah. what actually
1: happens. I think I recall it had up to 9,600 watts of output on the on the lightning. Okay, so it's nearly a
2: 40 amp, 120 circuit. But but
1: uh, that mm-hmm. may be that may be bigger than what the hybrid could ever do. And I don't know the yeah. details. It sounded like it might actually be multiple inverters, in which case you may only, you know, have one of them available to run the house or something.
2: Yeah. Um, you know, but, I mean, if it's sitting in the driveway, it doesn't need to be uh, driving so it can dedicate... I don't know. There's, there's so many different innovations with electronics these days. Um, you know, some of the different solar power systems we're putting on close with battery backup. Uh, they're really becoming... Know uh, kind of a brain center for how you use your power. You can you can program these systems now, so it'll be like a self consumption mode. So you can have a system that's attached to the utility, but it prioritizes your solar power, uh, and then it'll actually cycle the batteries down to an amount, to a percentage of battery capacity left that you can predetermine. Uh, you can have it so use as much as possible from the batteries, running them all the way down to you know like a low percentage. Uh, and then it would switch over the utility, or you can actually have it so only, like, use the top, you know, whatever percent you set to. If you don't want to use the top 30% of the battery capacity, that would make it so that if the utility went out or you lost power, you still have 70% of your battery mm-hmm. remaining.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I hear about that method a lot, and back when there were, you know, outrageous differences in prices, uh, time of use prices, uh, that made some sense to me, but now the price difference between you know, peak and part-peak power, doesn't seem like it's worth the cost of cycling the batteries.
2: Do people do that? What is the uh, cost of cycling those batteries when you're looking at something that could cycle your 8,000 times? Well, yeah,
1: you crunch those numbers and and look at the, you know, kilowatt hours of the bank at 80% times, you know... Be conservative, call it 8,000 times or something. And, um, but uh, 8,000 times. If you do that once
2: a day, what is it? It's like 25 years of battery service. And so are your batteries going to age out even if they're not cycled? Is that right? I mean, there's other
1: electrons Yeah, they, Yeah, they will age out, too, uh, even yeah. if they're not used. But, uh, but uh, you know, what was the cost of that battery
2: bank? Yeah. Well, and and so how, much, you know, what, how much batteries it while to cycle them, because you know by cycling your battery, you're gonna you're gonna use them up quicker uh, than you would if they're just sitting there, you know, uh, kind of idling. But with lithium batteries, we're getting so much more cycle life down, them, and we're still getting like a you know an age. There's, they're still going to age, uh, even if they're not cycling. So, you know, what, what is that power curve? They haven't really been around long enough. Yeah. So. yeah. To get real world experience out of it, it's such a new world, still. You
1: know, I'm still like nervous. That, of, I'm still nervous about the ten thousand cycles claims.
2: Yeah, it's interesting to see all the different manufacturers. You, know, you get a lithium iron phosphate battery. That's that's the favorite lithium battery for me. Uh, a lot of vehicles are looking at you know using that now, but. Uh, there's different ways of manufacturing them where they're saying, oh, you get 5,000 cycles and some manufacturers are using the same cells and rating for 8,000 cycles while others are doing 10,000 cycles. If you look at the frame uh, on it, a lot of time it has to do with, uh, with how they rate the battery. Like one company could say, oh, this is a, this particular battery is rated at, so, you know, just number, uh, like 5,000 uh, 5, cycle battery. Or it could be, I am mean, sorry, it could be a, kilowatt-hour battery, and another company will say that cell cells. You know, could be a 4 kilowatt-hour battery. They're just uh, designing this so you don't cycle it quite as deeply.
1: And, uh, and, and the one who's only cycling at 75% is is getting the the 10,000, and the one that's cycling at 100% is getting the 5,000. That sort of
2: thing. Yeah, but you know, it's it could still be keeping it straight, being honest with you, just because they're they're rating them differently. Uh, even though it's the same cell, they could be, it could be an honest thing to say, well, if you only use this one to 100% of the capacity that we tell you it is, which is actually 80% of the cell capacity, then you could get you know, this much lifespan out of it. Uh, so it really comes down to the radiance of you know, how things are going to go like that. All right. Hey, now, what,
1: we got another call. Okay. Go for it. All right. Yeah. Hello,
0: caller. You're live on the air. Uh, While you're talking about batteries and how deeply to discharge them, I've always been curious on my laptop. Should I plug it in whenever possible, or should I let it go down to halfway and then plug it in?
1: It doesn't have a memory issue like particularly the old uh, NICADs that used to power portable electronics did, uh, where it really did make a difference in terms of capacity per charge to run them down quite a bit uh what they didn't tell you when when you were maximizing your capacity per charge is that running it down did decrease their lifespan my understanding with the lithium ions is is they don't really care uh one thing i would recommend is don't leave it plugged in perpetually
0: what would that do
1: yeah it gets gives it a constant little trickle charge in most models and and that can that can wear out the battery I see. Uh, but, hey, Alex, do you have any input along these lines? No, no just a little bit.
2: Uh, I looked at batteries that not uh, you don't want to have trickle charge constantly—and looked at like putting timers on. So you know, you can have those little like light timers that would kick on a light, you know, to make it look like somebody's home. Turn off mm-hmm. for an hour or two, and mm-hmm. you can use a timer like that to plug in your laptop if you want to keep it in plugged in perpetually. Uh, you know. Yeah. little tricks like that.
1: Uh, I have mine I on a power so. strip and just flip it off when I leave my office.
0: Yeah, I don't I don't leave it plugged in when I'm not actually using oh, it. Oh, okay. Uh,
1: then, then you're in fine shape.
0: But you think I should... Yeah. It, it's, it's not going to make any difference whether I cycle the battery or whether I just always plug it in?
1: Not really. Uh, do you agree with that, Alex, the... I think so. The the lithium ions don't seem to have much in the way of uh, need for exercising. Um, Okay. Thank you very much. Sure enough. Take care. Glad
0: to
2: see you back. Take care. We don't seem to mind being a partial state of charge.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh. And, you know, some battery types actually needed to be exercised to keep their capacity, at least right. short term. Right. Yeah. So right. Go ahead.
2: I'm sorry. I'm having trouble hearing you. I think I just timed out right now. I'm in Oregon right now, so calling in with technology.
1: <laughs> what are you doing in Oregon?
2: I had, a, I had a bunch of leave the nest, so to speak. My, uh, my kids are down to the different winds. All my all of my laborers for <laughs> doing electrical work have flown. So uh, I do have one more worker who can help me with uh, roof projects and uh, excavation. But my other kids have uh, moved up to Oregon now, and uh, so we made a drive up here to uh, help them move their stuff. They have small vehicles and we have a big van, so we brought all their all their goods up for them. To to, to uh, Portland area. But uh, with everything, just looking from uh, COVID, it's been quite an amazing thing for uh, kids from Willits uh, to suddenly see what all is out in the world and available to them as
1: uh, young adults. Uh, uh, I still think of them as, you know, five-year-olds.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, Get, uh, getting to uh, stay up to 11.9. Uh, <laughs> yeah, those
1: are those
2: kids, yeah look at the battery voltage, you know, whether or not they could watch a movie, uh, at night. uh, they've been helping me with, uh, with all kinds of, uh, all kinds of stuff along the way and learning about power. One of them actually is now going to become a low voltage electrician and starting an apprenticeship with, really uh, it's really, uh, you know, we call him a half watt because he's doing a low voltage rather than, uh, line voltage stuff. Um, But a lot of the controls and, uh, you know, alarm systems and data work, that kind of stuff is going to be what he's working with. So it's kind of a parallel set of things to get into. A lot of things are going they're really getting into more data and more uh, connectivity. Um, Well,
1: that's one of the things you were talking about when we were talking on the phone before is is, uh, how much connectivity there is in some of the new stationary, you know, residential renewable energy equipment.
2: Yeah, almost all the systems I'm working with now that are uh, battery systems, um, you know, house size stuff—are coming with uh, monitoring systems that you can plug in and uh, monitor remotely. And you can have a lot of a pretty large degree of interactivity between, uh, even between the utility and the battery system itself. Mm-hmm. I think some of the directions to make it so it's part of
1: the infrastructure of the grid. Well, that's that's part different. of what what they mean when they say a smart grid. You know, you sign up for a special rate structure, and and uh, the utility gets to you know whatever it is three times a year. You know, take yeah, your take take eighty percent of your battery uh, during these you know heat waves and things like that when they're having a hard time meeting demand. It's uh, one way to make the grid more resilient, and in return you get a a better rate.
2: Yeah, there's also been uh, programs like that where they've looked at uh, rates for low-income housing where uh, air conditioners and stuff like that become connected to the grid where when the utilities need more power or don't have enough to meet demand, they can actually swallow down air conditioners in some
1: places. Or or electric water heaters is another one.
2: Or possibly electric vehicle chargers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really interesting. Uh, When when you start getting your power from the sun and from, you know, electric cars and stuff like that, there's this large thing of, uh, you become an electron farmer. (laughs) You're uh, you're not uh, pulling gas out of the ground uh, that was captured by, you know, solar energy, you know, neon the You're now uh, looking at, uh, you know, harvesting, Photons that are not, you know, electrons through grids and uh, through a voltage source, you know, in, in real time. So you know, there's some use it or, you know, use it when it's available or use it kind of thing. You got to store all that power somewhere, and you know the battery capacity is one thing, but there's so much more. Uh, you know, use power when it's available. I think that really has to become part of you know, what's available uh, for our grid. Oh,
1: that's one thing that does worry me a little bit about an explosion of, of EVs is so many people charge their EVs overnight. Yeah. So it's
2: creating a greater demand at
1: night. Right. When the solar isn't out. Uh, right. uh, so I, I want to see, you know, places of employment and, and, and all those sorts of things that are day use facilities, uh provide charging stations, um, so that the charging happens during the day so we can put in more solar and, and not have to do some odd thing overnight to carry all
2: that load. Yeah. Well, you know, so there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different programs that have been, you know, floated to be a good idea and, you know, time will tell. Like the thing of, uh, having it required that every new California house has provisions for being able to use solar. Well, not every house has good solar incidents, you know? mm-hmm. so there's all kinds of different ways they're going to have to, you know, work around those issues and such, uh, you know, apartments. You get a big apartment complex with, you know, 40 units or something, but there's only so much roof space, you can't have enough roof space to create all of the power from solar. So we're definitely going to have to have, you know, hybrid systems where it's not surely just solar, not surely just wind, not surely mm-hmm. just, you know, high power. Uh, so, you know, if we really have some infrastructure to work with, and I still think the most important resource we have is technology of reducing our usage, much oh, as possible. Yeah,
1: well, th- we learned that one in the old 100 times the price they are now, solar days, that, you know, we, would, we were willing to pay $25 a light bulb, uh... To get one that consumed a quarter as much power because you saved way more than, you know, twenty four dollars, in solar panel to power it. And God, yeah. we, we got really good at being efficient, and eventually those twenty five dollar light bulbs became mainstream and are now down to a buck a piece. Well, actually, I we ju- we jumped to new technology that's, that's what several bucks a piece. LEDs have come down to. uh, too. How
2: much? Uh how much uh you know incentives and you know stuff goes into still producing uh, EVs and not EVs, uh LEDs. Uh there's uh you know, government money that was incentive where uh end users that apply for the rebates, but now apparently the rebates are preloaded into uh, the cost of the bulbs in the first place.
1: So yeah, yeah they moved to that. And that's a, that's a California deal. Um and I believe people were we're paying for that on their, on their electric bill all along, all Right. Um, but boy, it sure does reduce lighting, electricity consumption and, uh,
2: air conditioning. Yeah. Well, that's one of the things too about, like I was talking about how, uh, the Ford F-150, it started being the aluminum bodies. So by decreasing the weight of the vehicle, you made it so that, you know, you, you got to use less energy to drive it, aren't they? Uh, so apparently they'd thought about that, you know, years before, but it was, was a resistance. He goes, don't do that. You can't have my truck. You made them aluminum kind of
1: thing. Well, they also gas was 50 cents a gallon and nobody was thinking about the, the climate issues associated with it.
2: Yeah, but here they are. All all the new Ford F-150s for the last few years have been aluminum. I think a lot of people did not realize that yet, Uh, but it sure made them lighter than, you know. Less fuel, yeah. Uh, so, you know, how many other vehicles are you know look at uh, doing that? Is it's a matter of you know how is that going to be driven in the market? Is uh, that just purely uh, you know market economics? And, you know, consumers taking a look and saying, "Hey, this is what I want. I want a more fuel efficient vehicle here." Gosh, uh, you know, I, I do have a nice fuel efficient truck, but I put uh, one hundred and forty dollars in the gas tank uh, last week at one point. Ouch. Uh, yeah, it's just moving away. Uh, and unfortunately I still need to drive a lot. So a thirty two gallon
1: tank is to uh, <laughs> have a lot of pain and it will get good
2: at the pump. Well, these, and it's over $4 a
1: gallon. Especially if you're oh, far man. far from the uh, from the gas suppliers and your gas is pushing five bucks a gallon, which it is here in Anderson Valley. Wow. Ouch. Ouch. Yeah. I don't feel guilty oh, yeah. when I put in two gallons just to get over the mountain.
2: <laughs> well, you're going to have to pay for it again eventually.
1: Yeah. Well, it's a lot, <laughs> lot cheaper on the other side of the hill.
2: All uh, right, right, right. Absolutely. Oh, uh, man. Yeah. yeah i looking at the electric vehicle you know, economics. I've said this before, but, you know, it's pretty really typical for an EV to get about three miles per kilowatt hour. Well. Uh, if you have that installed solar cost you know, about ten cents per kilowatt hour of lifetime power, and you're looking at you know ten cents per you know ten cents per kilowatt hour, so you get about three point three miles you know uh, per you know it, it's
1: you per, per ten cents. cents uh, so you're getting you know what thirty three miles per dollar. Yeah. Whereas, so whereas free. with a gas vehicle that's getting you know 33 miles per gallon, you're getting four bucks. yeah four bucks or something per 33 <laughs> miles. So uh, solar,
2: is, solar, is definitely uh, solar electric is definitely cheaper. Cost-
1: uh, well, even even on uh, even on electric pure uh, electric grid power, and you didn't have your own solar panels, it still comes out quite a bit cheaper and quite a bit cleaner. Um, the the inefficiency of a combustion engine is just radical you know they probably average about 15 percent efficient and you know even a a gas turbine is you know well into the 30s percent efficient um and there's not as much loss in the transmission as a lot of people think Uh, but there is some there uh but you know, on top of that, you don't have oil changes. Your brakes last longer. You don't have exhaust systems to replace. You don't, I mean, there's a long list of, of other costs associated with running a vehicle that are far less. And, and overall, it's quite a bit less cost and quite a bit cleaner uh, and cleaner even on 100% coal power less less uh co2 emissions per mile driven on electric vehicle on 100 percent coal and you know the country's dropped from 50 percent full coal on average to you know i think it's under 30 percent now and and california oscillates between a couple percent and 10 12 percent depending on hydro reserves and demands from years so you're,
2: saying, you're saying how the uh, if- the power plant is using coal, 100% coal for its, for its fuel source, and you convert that to electricity, then you charge an electric vehicle, you're getting better efficiency than you are by just putting gas in the car.
1: Uh, so, in terms of CO2 emissions per mile driven, yes. It's, it's yeah. actually pretty comparable. Um, but when you buy a combustion engine, uh, you've locked in your, your carbon emissions per mile for you know the life of that vehicle, and, and of course no one's on hundred percent coal anymore. So it's, it's better than, than combustion and the grid is steadily trending cleaner and greener as time goes on. And of course that changes your emissions of your electric vehicle without buying a new electric vehicle. So the, the, the lifetime emissions are not locked in. When you buy your EV, they're going down as the life proceeds because the grid presumably keeps getting cleaner and cleaner.
2: Yeah. A lot of these incentives that have been around for electric vehicles, too, are just, they're just crazy if you look at the numbers of them. Uh, you know, like you are talking about the incentives for uh, tax breaks if you buy one. But, you know, there's also been uh, things like the, uh, being able to use the carpool lane. Right. But also, uh, there's no uh, gas tax collected on electric vehicle to help pay for road taxes.
0: Well, if once,
1: um, once we get enough EVs on the road, uh, you're going to see that change.
2: Yeah, I have been uh, I've expecting that to drop any day now. Um, I've been talking about having uh, having you know, trackers basically used on each vehicle to be able to tell how many miles you've driven and you'll get a bill or something like that for uh, you know, your your road tax. Uh, my, my suggestion was to have it so tires have the road tax rather than gasoline
1: uh-huh.
2: <laughs> so, could, well see that'd be great because if you're using a you know uh, low resistance uh the you know, tires. Uh, you're going to be easier on the roads. Going <laughs> to be lighter vehicles. Lighter vehicles would hurt the roads. Oh, but I'd,
1: I'd be with hurt them. with all the dirt roads that I drive and gravel roads. They go. Th- they wear my tires down way faster than I was used to it on paper. Uh, there you
2: go. But yeah, we it, don't have to collect the tax. You the taxes. You know, the inevitable things. We have to collect
1: it somewhere. It could so, be just uh, on the. Uh, you had to report the mileage of the vehicle once a year. Yeah, there's no problem with self-reporting ever having problems with it, or you know, pull in and well, yeah, you're right. That there, there's there's one complication or another even with that. Um yeah. but um, it's a little spooky to have something that's you know, reporting my mileage to the yeah. government uh, built into the car. That, that's a little spooky to me too.
2: Yeah, but that's, that's part of all this uh, monitoring, and, uh, you know, net, networked uh, you know, electronics we're having now. Like we are talking about here, you know, but if you are able to be part of the infrastructure with your, your networks, your inverter system and stuff, there's somewhere out there the information on how much power you're using and when. Uh, you know, is that information okay to share, uh, you know, or get this brand new world over like really looking at a lot of data, uh, collection you know, out there, even more so than we already have. Um, you know, if you look at your, if you look at your cell phones, uh, you know, my Apple phone keeps track of where it's been, when, what times, and all that kind of
1: stuff. And, but you, you can <laughs> also turn that off.
2: Yeah, but then, uh... Whenever I do that, i turn it off, and my navigation doesn't work very
4: well.
2: Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting somewhere. So, yeah, I, I was trying to uh, keep that turned off, you know, all the time, but I realized, hey, I actually have things I, I need to use apps for to tell where I am. But, you know, it's just, you know, you just kind of tedious know, you to keep turning things off and on all the time. So how much data is out there for just worrying that uh, you can probably... Oh, they're collecting look- it all. You have the right access right now. You can probably tell where I had lunch, you uh-huh. know, breakfast for all this time I've been traveling, all that kind of stuff. Probably so I it exactly too eight for me, just on my, on my profile. Google knows.
1: Google knows, and they could sell it to anyone. Uh. <laughs> Hey, uh, we want to talk about things we're excited about in the renewable energy world that's come up in the past six months and uh, solicit you out there, listeners, if you've got something that you heard about that was intriguing or exciting, uh, give us a call at 895-2448 and let us know on the air and let the rest of the listening audience know. And and Alex, you had a couple of uh, specific things you were wondering if... uh, anyone had experience on before the show started? What were they, do you remember?
2: Yeah, well, there's there's a bunch of people who've been uh, building their own battery banks uh, by using, uh, de- well, car- uh, batteries were either decommissioned from cars or else uh, cars had gotten wrecked and they were taking uh, you know, like different EV packs, uh, battery packs, making them for home use of different sorts. I'm really curious to hear uh, what the results are of those, what are some of the pitfalls out So has, the, any, the woods or?
1: has anybody done that? Has anybody known somebody who did that? And did they have any feedback? How, how successful were they? Um, my impression is they, they often want to retire the, the car battery banks when they're only, you know, 80% the capacity that they were new, which seems a little hard, but I guess once you get used to, you know, you're 230 miles getting, getting 180 or whatever it is. It becomes so, unacceptable to you.
2: Yeah, there's also things like the wrecked vehicle Suddenly, yeah. you know, has oh, been totaled and it's cheap now. And hey, look, the battery bank is,
1: you know, in fine shape.
2: Yeah, in fine shape, and it's much cheaper to buy a wrecked vehicle and just um, you know take the batteries out of it than just to buy a whole new battery bank. Okay. So hey,
1: we get a caller. See what great. what their inspiration is. Hello, caller. You're live on the Renewable Energy Hour.
0: Hey, I just wanted to report a use of solar power. I'm going to Santa Cruz tomorrow to team up with a couple of other hams to do what's called field day. It's an emergency drill where you set up a ad hoc station, and the most points are earned by doing it off of a battery powered by solar panels. So we're going to run five watts output. For 24 hours, we're probably going to work about five or six hundred different stations all over North America, all solar powered. Um, are you? Have you
1: played around with different charge controllers? Because uh, I know some of those are a little noisier. Are your radios all far enough away from the charge? Oh yeah, controller?
0: we're we're hip to the noise problem. The guys okay. that I'm teaming up with are experts on
1: on shielding,
0: uh, how to filter out that kind of stuff. Okay, so I'm sure they've solved that.
1: Good, 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 good.
0: This is for ham radio operators, right? What'd you say? You said this is for ham radio operators, shortwave users? Yeah. We're going to be operating from from 3 megahertz to uh, uh, about uh, 400 megahertz. Uh,
1: It's nice to know that there'll be communication around if we ever have, you know, the big one earthquake and powers out everywhere for seven days or more. Um, to be able to have some communication.
0: Oh, there's a network yeah. of amateur radio repeaters all over the state that are even linked, some of them. Excellent. And I just found out the other day that the Casper Community Center has a repeater there because it's easy to access it from lots of places.
1: And and so somebody with a ham radio can broadcast, can send a signal to that repeater, and that repeater...
0: It, yeah, will, most bro- repeaters are on mountaintops because mm-hmm. then if, it, no matter where you are, if you can reach the mountaintop, the mountaintop can reach whoever's down right. in the next valley.
1: Right, right.
0: Well, anyway, Very um So, cool. solar powered ham radio—that's to be excited. Great fun. All okay, right, bye bye. Hey, thanks, thanks for the, for the, show. the call.
2: Uh, Great. Let's talk to some uh, ham guys who are really into the emergency stuff. Who uh, say they've actually got equipment that they keep uh, inside their Faraday cage in case there's ever a. Uh, uh, electromagnetic pulse drops knocks out all kinds of uh, you know communications and electronics they've got ones ready to go so they can pull it back out the you know, emergency communication with the rest of the world
1: <laughs> that's that's uh, covering your 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 backside
2: yeah well you know that's the thing about emergency uh, situations and disasters is that often things that you don't really uh, you know, have all
3: your ducks in a row to
1: take care of and such. Uh, oh, we've, we've, yeah. we've encountered that situation again and again in various different contexts. There's yeah. always something that didn't get taken into account. <laughs> you think? <laughs> I, I, I remember the, uh, the long power outages after Hurricane Sandy, was it, that came through and hit New York City and New Jersey, and they had long power outages, and... You know, a lot of people had gas generators, but they couldn't get any gas because all the gas stations had no power to pump the gas up. There was right, pl- there right. was plenty of gas in the tanks, but yeah. You know, so I expect an awful lot of those gas stations put in a backup generator after that. Um, yeah, I, and there's looking around.
2: There's a few gas stations uh, that I see around into, uh around Mendocino County that have. Uh, Emergency gas or emergency generator inputs, but some of them don't. So, mm-hmm. it would be possible the extended power outage at some of those gas stations would not be pumping. Be down.
1: All right, we got another mm-hmm. call. Hello, caller. You're live on the air.
4: Welcome back, Doug. Hey, it's great thank to you. hear your voice, even with my lisp. <laughs> um, one thing that's been going on that I've been watching in the last six months is. Um, the phasing out of natural gas in new buildings. I um, think Berkeley is one example of mm-hmm. a city where you can't do that anymore. It's, Everything's going electric.
1: Yeah, new construction's got to be electric.
4: Yeah, um, and I've also in connection with that. Um, heard about some innovations in induction cooktops and whatnot. Um, Gains in efficiency there. Um,
1: how, how is their efficiency compared to a to a uh thermal resistant heating coil uh,
4: uh i think the numbers i read were like in the 80s or 90s compared to like 50s for or mm. the old style okay. coils. um but my real question is um you know i, I i'm kind of hearing and watching all these things happening on the you know the efficiency front in terms of buildings um, and then also the things you guys are talking about with vehicles and I'm just kind of scratching my head. and wondering, you know, is anybody looking at the big picture in terms of like, how, how are we going to generate all this electricity?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, oh, we are, <laughs> we were talking about stability of the grid in the context of, uh, you know, more and more solar and wind coming online, uh, makes it harder and harder to balance supply and demand. We were discussing that earlier and there are a lot of people working on that. Um, but, but yeah, in some, in some places we're already bumping up against, you know, stability issues. We've got so much solar in given the size of the grid that, that it's starting to become an issue. Um, although it, in a lot of ways the, you know, the initial wave of solar that went in solved a big problem and that was the peak demand. But now that that's been largely fixed, at least here in California, uh, now the problem comes, you know, what about nine thirty in the evening?
2: Mm-hmm. I'm, wondering, I'm wondering how much, the difference, you know, make with COVID as far as uh, people working from home. Like, there seems to be a lot more infrastructure set up now that people actually can uh, work without commuting. So, I'm wondering how much that could play into decreasing the total amount of energy less being commuted. used, yep. travel.
1: Well, we sure used a lot less on travel this past year, although. Uh globally, globally that our co2 emissions were down but you know the temperature continued to go up because you know there's a huge time lag especially with co2 not as much with methane uh and and yeah i'm happy to see us not looking as favorably at Natural gas, as we used to, because uh, you know, it used to be remarkably clean. It burned very clean, had a lot more, you know, BTUs of energy per CO2 molecule emitted. But now, with all the fracking, so much uh, methane is escaping without being burnt, and in the short term, that's way higher global warming uh, than than the burned CO2 it goes to. Uh, so I, I, fracking, arg. But that's one way we've managed to get off of coal. But, you know, as the statistics are starting to look, that gas is now as dirty as coal, given all of its escaping. Um, So uh, part of it, you know, will be smart grids that, you know, tell appliances, hey, you know, you can turn off if you want and you'll save money. During right now because we're having a hard time meeting demand and other times saying hey you know you can get power extra cheap turn that thing on right now because we have a surplus of of solar um i'm afraid the other solution another solution part of the solution is uh more integrated and higher capacity transmission lines so that you know power can be you know, conducted three states over helps to fix some of these supply-demand balances. Um, so they're coming at it from a bunch of different directions. And and I'll take yeah. you back to Alex's uh, last statement. The best thing all of us can do is reduce our damn consumption.
4: Well, yeah, and, and when you think about what what really counts, I mean, mobility is, is huge. Um, cooking in a house is huge. I mean, th- those are the real energy hogs when you really look at it. Um,
1: oh, cooking in a I, house isn't usually that big. Usually water heating consumes more energy per year than, than, than cooking. Well, heating,
4: he, yeah, heating and cooking in general. Okay, and, and, or, and space
1: or, heating, too. Space heating Yeah, huge, yeah. Space heating or air conditioning, depending on where you live.
4: The combination yeah, and of I, them. I, guess, I guess what I get apprehensive about is when you think about scaling these things up, um, you know the the old law of unintended consequences. Um,
1: more and more power outages and things like that.
4: Well, yeah, and who knows what's going to pop up? I mean, when you start really cranking up demand, as more and more people convert to electric vehicles or get off of natural gas or you know what what have you, um, and um, do do we do we know where we're going? I mean, are 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 the people that are running the grid and, and supplying power? Do they, do they know like what they're going to be solving for over the next few years? I mean, oh, who, who's yeah. really who, who's really looking at the big picture? Because I, I think you guys study these things and have access to these things that I, I really don't. And I, I, I'm wondering like what are what are the websites where you can you can learn more about. Oh, I bet what the you, numbers look
1: like. And, uh, I and, bet you, you could find a uh, hundred articles over the year or studies over the years uh at the National Renewable Energy Laboratory and NREL.gov, I believe. N R E L. Um uh-huh. Uh I expect FERC is, you know, at least researching this stuff. Um
4: Do you guys
1: follow this stuff? Uh, Vaguely. I'm certainly not, you know, doing it at the Ph.D. level like most of these guys who are really looking at it.
4: does it make sense, what what you're
1: seeing? It's too slow. Uh I I, I think uh, you're not going to see very many towns like Berkeley mandating, you know, electric ranges and electric water heaters uh, unless we can, you know, get the grid beefed up faster than we're doing it. Um I mean, they're going to, you'll, you'll get some odd towns like Berkeley, but, uh, not many other people are going to put mandates like that out until, you know, the grid really is
2: ready for that. Yeah. One scary statistic is that California drivers typically do about 30 miles a day per California resident. So try to convert that kilowatt hours needed. It winds up being, uh, what is it about? 300 million kilowatt hours per day of driving energy is produced. so uh you know if we're gonna try to make everything as clean as possible we're gonna get 300 million uh kilowatt hours of clean uh power energy daily uh you know we're, we're,
1: we're uh, n- there, there, there are other things being studied uh Uh, you know, can
2: you,
4: can you help me make sense out of a number like 300 million kilowatt hours? I mean, I, I just can't really, I don't have a frame of reference. It's a lot. Uh, (laughs) It sounds like a hell of a lot.
1: Uh, it is a hell of a lot and, uh, and, and electric vehicle charging is going to be far bigger issue if that takes off the way it's looking like it's going to then, then people being forced to cook with electric instead of gas.
2: Um, We're going to pretty quick here, but if you look at the uh, solar system that's at the center, at, sorry, at Mendocino College, that's just under a megawatt, which is 1 million watts of power. So if you wanted to have a million, you know, 300 million, uh, you know, 300 million kilowatt hours of power, you'd have to have, what, uh, <laughs> 300 billion it's just crazy 300 thousand
1: or something of those arrays uh, but that's you know also going five hours a day you know noon sun hours a day or whatnot yeah All right. so hey, I mean,
4: now, is that is that even a plausible scenario yeah I mean, it's,
1: it's, it's plausible. Uh, it's it's hard um I think offshore uh, wind is going to help if we can get the, out of the nimby mode, um, which generally is what fights it. Um, yeah, we do I, Doug. I I, we, I can't read this board, the computer, to tell when I'm going to get cut off, but we're going to be cut off uh, any time soon. Uh, might be as little as. Well,
4: this is a this is a huge topic, so I'll sign off. Maybe we can get a good guest on on talk this. About this.
2: Thanks. More research. Thanks for the back call. Thank you. Just
1: to start it again. Thank you. Um, I'm, we've got full lines now that uh, the show is over. I daren't pick anybody up because I think we may only have 15 seconds left. Um, uh, I'm Doug Livingston, and, and joining by Fuzzy Phone from Oregon is Alex Aragon. We'll be back in
2: two weeks. Let me go wild.